That podcast, Newly Questions, Get Real Answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Yes, 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 I am. Yes. Also joining us. Let's do it. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission <laughs> right USA. Right on. Matt. Also joining us, someone who will be getting attention as soon as him, his name is mentioned, which is why Glenn may be stalling a bit. Right on. He is Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. Actually, I just want to donate this time to Glenn getting attention. Woo! Yes. <laughs> you would all at home, in the car, in the elliptical, wherever you are, take a moment while you're listening and just think about Glenn. Yeah, just attend to him and just your thoughts. Just give me your attention, I, the sweet, sweet attention. Sure. Also <laughs> joining us, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Thanks for recognizing me, Matt. I'm glad that you said my name out loud. It would be a poor podcast that was just my inner monologue. <laughs> uh, now, now just, Lee. Just 60 minutes of me going, hmm. Now, Lee, yeah. do, do you want all of your attention? Because uh, I'll go ahead and, you know, if you if you well, don't want I mean, it. if you want to, well, here's what I was going to, my initial plan was to, to use my attention, but if you have a plan to commandeer that, like with pirate tactics or something. Right. Well, I, I don't. Um, I was going to do some sort of, uh, you know, guilt manipulation move. That's That's my usual, you know. Thing. Sure, that's a good way to go. It's a good way oh, to go. It seems to always work. Absolutely. So, uh, but but uh, you know maybe for today's show I'll just be cool. Yeah, we'll try that. Yeah, something I I can I can only imagine what this show will be wow. like when that day comes. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Can you only imagine? I can only imagine. Well. Jed segueing us. It's like doing a segue, only it's kind of just flinging yourself into something repeatedly until it segues. I can only imagine, Glenn. Does that remind you of anything? No, no. That's. Uh, I say let's just move on with the show. You get down to the wisdom. Okay, well, cool, cool. Let's do it. I think there's no moving on with the show because we have a real emergency. We do. We have an emergency. Wait, now is this a real emergency? Because I like to just do the. Question I know you do. Part. Believe me, this qualifies as an emergency. Actual emergency. Buckle in, folks. Are you declaring a state of emergency? Declaring a county of emergency? Yeah, we don't want to get a it. hamlet of emergency. We don't <laughs> want to. <laughs> My goodness. A Hamilton of emergency. Wow. Oh. Folks, buckle in. It's about to get weird. Yeah. <laughs> Got an email into the Say That inbox from our friend Brad in Knoxville. Our, our podcast friend, Lee and I's yes. real-life friend, my arch-fantasy football rival starting next week, Brad alerts us to a news item coming in in the greater Knoxville area. This happened, we record this on December 7th. There's infamy around. You can just feel it. Sure. There was, a, there was an event last night in Knoxville, Tennessee, that Brad very generously offered... Any, to buy tickets for any of us if we wanted to go to. And this event was noted figure skating legend Scott Hamilton mm. presents Scott Hamilton and Friends on Ice. Wow. Now you say that's 
There's nothing really weird about that yet. Mm-hmm. Scott Hamilton is a noted figure skater. Figure skater. Of course, there would be a thing on ice. Sure. sure. If you had like the Lumineers on ice, would be weird. That sure. Would be weird. But not as weird as what you're about to hear. Scott Hamilton on ice. They have live music. They have a house band, if you will, and that house band is Mercy Me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> noted mid two thousands. CCM artist, K-Love staple, Mercy, Mercy Me, me. So, just playing the songs while people figure skate. Well, and let me try and get my mind around this. First of all... You can try. We got people skating. Yeah. Yep. And just... Style cows, triple axles. So it's mostly like just skating in a circle. Triple toe loop. You know. And then you have a live worship band. Apparently... But we're not worshiping the skaters, right? No, it's because that would probably be no. Well, I'm on the uh, I'm on the site here, and it's it's apparently a thing they're doing for charity, which is all lovely. But there are no Christian overtones to this at all. Like, well, if it weren't for Mercy Me being involved, there would be nothing explicitly religious about me, this at all. Let me just tell you this right now, and I'm not afraid to say this. I think there's some people that figure skate in a decidedly christian way absolutely and some people figure skate in a way that's clearly secular yes okay that's where i'm coming i'm gonna need i'm gonna need you to break down the distinction for us well i'm glad you asked that matt (laughs) so for example one way that i might figure skate in a christian way is i get a giant wooden cross (laughs) okay okay? put that on my back strap on the skates you have a strong core and I'm getting out there. Right. And I'm flipping and twirling while hanging on for dear life to to the sure. giant wooden cross. To you're, the old you're clinging cross. to the cross. Exactly. Okay. Sure. That's the song that we should be doing, not this CCM stuff. What I'm, I'm clinging to the old rugged cross. And I'm, I'm going in the, you know, the, when they do the twirl, where you twirl around? <laughs> yeah. The centrifugal force of that's unreal. Sure. So at some point, I would turn loose this cross. It's going to fly into the audience and probably do serious physical damage to somebody. That's how a Christian figure skates. Okay? That, that may Dude, be symbolic as well. His testimony was unbelievable. That's what I'm trying. Sure. Let me tell you what. It, it, let's say there's a figure skating thing, and there is a chance that a giant wooden cross will go flying out into the audience. That's something people are going to pay to see. No doubt. It sounds like what, you, what you've what you decided to do here is combine figure skating with a roller derby aspect. Yeah. yeah kind of nascar it's the thing but also people might get seriously hurt well okay here's another thing if it's if it's a race to see how Which it is decidedly not to see how fast they can figure skate around <laughs> to the christian music that's happening then yeah i'm, I'm gonna get down with that you know that's okay. that makes sense to me here here's my question this is not so much a question as an observation on what we've just yeah break it heard down. that that bit started out with glenn saying there are some ways you could tell a kind of fictitious representing all of us Christian figure skater from secular. And then when we asked right. for specifics, things got first person in a hurry. Yeah. That became <laughs> I. Here are the detailed ideas of how I would be a Christian figure Ooh. skater. Um. And I'm just wondering if this is the first time Glenn has thought of this plan. Let me, let me just tell you what... Um, I am not going to apologize for being a, a graceful skater, okay? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I've had a dream to skate 
Sure. It was very, very small. Well, mom you and dad you, drove Glenn. me to the ice rink every day at 6 a.m. Okay. And then I did the uh, the quadruple South Cow. Sure, something like that. <laughs> and uh, I ripped a tendon. Okay. Uh, and um, I broke a, 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 my butt bone, <laughs> is the technical term. And it's like that's uh, the Latin. I was never the same again. Sure, sure, you know absolutely. But you still got that passion inside of you. Well, the, and the people will tell the legend of it, right? Know? But it's I, I now there's no way to do it. Well, Glenn, now that that secret's out in the open, I gotta yeah. ask: Were you an ice skater or were you an ice dancer? Because well, those are two very different things. As you know, uh, ice dancers must, by regulation, have at least one skate on the ice at all times. Uh, but uh, obviously wow. I was making it the speed walking of ice related sports. Exactly right. But in my case, I was a uh, more advanced with the flipping and the twirling and the high flying gymnastics. So you elements. were a dancer who danced by your own rules, is what you're saying. That's that's you know what that's exactly what it was. I was essentially you know the bad boy of the ice skating rink that was in the middle of the shopping mall. Then. Sure, sure, totally. Like, you know, like even the guys that would hang out by the frozen yogurt stand, Yeah, they would say, wow, we're, we're the Froyo boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody's afraid of them. Yeah. But I would come along and they'd be like, they would part over to the side. Yeah. Because they know. I mean, you they know, know this, what's up. this guy... He's, you know, he's a serious dude. I, I can only assume that when you got mad, you know, when life got to you and you yeah. was frustration, that you would let it out through the vehicle of ice dance. Yeah, I, I had, I had, I just had to get up there and skate. Yeah, you know, yeah, just with all my heart and all my soul. So part of what it is is, you know, I hear Scott Hamilton getting out there and twirling and flitting. Sure. On the ice and whatever, with mercy, I get jealous. Of sure, that, sure, because it's like that's my dream. Sure, and to, he's just living it like at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so plus you're, you're you're trying to have a testimony too. I mean, you're trying to sure. you're trying to have not just your walk with Jesus, but your skate with Jesus. That's the thing is, other people have a walk with the Lord, you know. But in my mind, I'm skating with the Lord. Sure, sure. And you I look I mean? down, and there was only one set of grooves in the ice. That's <laughs> That's what he was lifting me. That's that's exactly how I see it. Sure. You know what I mean? If anybody should be skating in a Christian way, that should be me. Absolutely. That's how I picture it. I want to I want to go back to your your heart-wrenching tale there cuz you know, so it sounds like, you know, you da- you I you skated to get your emotions out. Right. You did it in your own way, you're right, trying right. to escape your life. It sounds like you were the Kevin Bacon in Footloose. Yeah. Of ice skating with a little very, bit of flash dance. Very, very, very You're a maniac, similar. maniac on the ice. That's exactly. Was, was Footloose like, was, is it possible that Footloose was like kind of a documentary story that somebody stole from your life and they just tried to alter it to, to like, regular dancing like, to, so you wouldn't sue them? They knew, they knew they were getting sued. They said, we just take it out of the rink and just put it in the middle <laughs> of a cornfield and, and boom. We got ourselves a movie. Sure, it's a go so, picture. It's a go picture. They green lit that bad boy right away. Sure. Okay. So, so in the Footloose version, again, we're, I just want right. to be clear here. You know, we got dancing. <laughs> right. That's the thing, and, and that's, that's outlaw. That's bad stuff. That's bad. 
and the star of that movie being Kevin Bacon. Right. So you're saying you're I'm, you're proposing an alternate version of that movie. Where I am the Kevin Bacon of Christian skaters. Yes. That that, that much is clear. Sure. I just a tangent off that is right. If we could get the rights to make clearly what is your life story, yeah. it would be set. It would be kind of the same thing, but around ice skating, right? Which they do a lot of in Canada. Right. So I think the main character's name would be Kevin Ham. Okay. Well done. Well <laughs> done. It was a you long know, trip. It was a long trip. That long was, long long was, that long was excellent. To go. I applaud the effort. <laughs> sure. I really did. That was amazing hustle on that one. It was like an odyssey. First of all, here's what would happen. I First of all, the soundtrack is, is done by Mercy Me. Sure. In your movie? In, in my movie. I would pay real money for the Mercy Me cover of the Footloose song. <laughs> Where I'm skating around, yeah. and I'm attacking Canada by by skating into their territory you, okay. and telling them how it goes down. So... Are you fueled by Cinnabons from the mall? Clearly. I mean, that's, you know, let me tell you what. And I make no apologies for this. You understand? (laughs) You get me hopped up on Cinnabons. (laughs) My feet are going. Sure. My feet, in my mind, I'm skating right now. Sure. Just from the, just, I can smell a Cinnabon and it's like, (laughs) boom, let's go. Let's twirl. Let's flit about on the ice. And whatever, prancing and and spinning and whatever, and that's inside of me. You understand what I'm saying? Sure. And I got no way of letting that out into the world and expressing it. Well, maybe that's the tragedy of your story: is that mm-hmm. your great love of the Cinnabon is what led to your torn tendon. Right. Right. I mean, that's you're right. just you were so pumped up, and they tried to warn you. Right. They're they, like, yeah. You got to exactly. lay off that stuff, man. That's right. That's it's right. Gonna, it's going to yeah. get you in the end. You're like, yeah. you don't know nothing. You don't understand. I can me. handle it. I can take it. Yeah. But then it was, it was one Cinnabon too many. That's exactly Boom. right. You know, Glenn, the, it used to be about the skating for you, and now it's just all about the Cinnabon. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> Glenn right. Would, Glenn would come out of the locker room and just trail of icing yeah. down the side of his face. Hey, look, I can quit anytime I want. Sure. I'm in control of this thing. You don't know. And then, boom, tendon. Yeah. Butt bone. <laughs> and it's all over now. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Figure, I, I picture Jed in a dark coat kind of ascending from the shadows as the Cinnabon dealer. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, what happens is. They're all the, doing it. The, 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 the Cinnabon <laughs> place cut me off early sure. on because they knew <laughs> you gotta go black happening. market cinnabon exactly right you gotta have somebody who could score me a cinnabon on the side see so that's uh you know so yes i am struggling dealing with jealousy issues pertaining to the mercy me uh scott hamilton on ice you know but uh just as we close this out i would challenge everyone to think how much better their sunday morning worship service would be if it were on ice. Totally. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But this is what we've been missing all along. Sure. Dude, Palm let's Sunday in, on ice? Let's inject a degree really... of difficulty into this situation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you put Pastor Ed Paris Gates, he's got to deliver this sermon. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, you know what I mean? We're going to see how he does with it. Sure. You know what I mean? I mean, you can't just stand there. You sure. Gotta... That, I'm not sure if I agree with that sermon point, but he did it while skating backwards. Okay. That counts so for something. something. That, yeah. that you know, it's it, it, you know, it's a, it's not just that I'm being fed spiritually, but it's a nice uh, visual. Absolutely. Well, it's right. it's 
he may not have landed that last point, but he did land that double toe loop. Okay. Now, if we do church on ice, do we have the judges from the various countries that get to rate the sermon? That's right. Well, yes. I think you do it that way, but it's judges from various denominations. Okay. Okay. Right, right. right. Yes, that's well, right. You know, it had a lot of fire and really enjoyed it, so the Baptists scored it high, but... Yeah, not but the Plymouth a, brethren, of, brethren, they're never going to give not you a Not a lot of three. exegeting. The, uh, the Presbyterians gave him a seven. Oh, yeah, that's got to yeah. be a disappointment. Yeah. So I, I, I think um, Church on Ice. Just, sure. just think about it. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying mandatory, but just think about Bible study on ice. I you can only think? imagine Bible study on ice. <laughs> and I can only imagine it. kind of circular... Coming back, Jed thinking that was funny enough to both reprise and end on, I declare emergency off. Thank you. Emergency off on ice. Yes. I also want to point out, dear listener, that... um, just, Let me just say one more. <laughs> Bell choir on ice. Oh, that's nice. Good one. You know save, save something for the outro. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when, I, when we started that emergency... I really thought we were going to go heavier on the Mercy Me and less on the ice skating, but I think we really found something special. Yeah, that's good. I think the audience was expecting that too, and I like when we can come up with a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're saying we're just weirder than you thought we would. Be. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know what's full of surprises? Bridge box. Nice, maybe wow. oh, kind of sure, segue yeah. on ice. That's a segue on ice. So we got. Your bridge box, $8 a month, lots of good stuff, sermons, songs, Bible studies. Our topic for the month of December is, help remind me, Jed. Uh, this month right now is, what does it mean for God to give me a gift? Absolutely. And if you sign up here in the month of December, we have our uh, bridge box Christmas EP. We did some of that last year. So if you'd like some Christmas music from us, you can go ahead, sign at missionusa.com slash bridge box. Sign for younger version at missionusa.com slash BBLY. Let us know. And yep. We'll send you some extra Christmas music. And as we pointed out last week, your pick of merch. We've got uh-huh. some beanies left over, some rubber bands, some T-shirts. So if you'd like to sign up, now is the time. All right, we're going to go ahead and get into our first question here. This came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, hello, say that, guys. Hello. Hello. Very polite. My goal for the next few months is to surround myself, surround myself with a better circle of friends. The crowd I currently hang out with is toxic, but surrounding myself with new people means shopping for a new church, <laughs> looking for a place to serve, and, well, meeting people. Because of previous bad experiences, the enemy always tells me I'm too weird, too different. Once people get to know me, the real me, they'll reject me. How do I win this battle and put myself out there? Then there's a word I don't understand. Oh, that's Gracias. Yeah, that's, I thought I thought we were going like the Koine Greek, but it's just Gracias. That's uh, that's our Spanish-speaking brethren right there. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you. And Dios te bendiga. Sure, uh, Lee, why don't you start us off? Uh, yeah, hey, this is a great question. There's a couple things I really like about this question. One is, you know, you you jump right in and say, "Here's the problem I'm looking at right here. This is this is what I'm this is what I'm facing down." And you say, uh, you, you know, you, you get to the end of this question, you say, uh, you, you know, you talk about this problem of meeting new people and finding a new place and new place to serve and stuff. And a lot of folks at this point in the question would say. I'm, I don't feel good about that because when I try to meet new people, I don't do that well because I'm too weird, I'm too different, and once people get to know the real me, they'll reject me. A lot of people would do this question that way, but what you did is a subtle difference. You said, because of some of my previous bad experiences, the enemy always tells me I'm too weird, yeah. I'm too different, 
And once people get to know me, they'll reject me. I love that you say this because once you know that it's the enemy that's telling you this stuff, you got a big leg up on being able to get past it. We, We know from the scriptures that Jesus calls... Satan, the father of lies. He says, he says when he's lying, he's speaking his native tongue. In other words, he doesn't have to think about it. It just lies, just fly out of his face. When you know that the thing, hold, and, and this is important, so I'm going to say it uh, slowly. When you know that the thing holding you back is a lie, then you know you can be bold as you do the exact thing that is holding you back. That's a good thing. If you know that the thing is, that's holding me back is a straight-up lie, then that should give me courage and boldness to go ahead and do that. Because if I'm being lied to, then that means he's stopping me from doing something that Jesus wants me to do, that Jesus is going to help me to do, that Jesus is going to give me the strength and the grace and the connections to actually pull off. Here's the here's the kind of the real talk on this deal. <clears throat> the enemy wants you to think that you're too weird for people to like you. That's not true. Let me tell you the thing that is going to actually be hard about it. It's not that that nobody's going to like you. People are going to like you. The thing that's going to be hard about this is when you meet new people, there are some jerks out there. There, it, you know, it is going to be uncomfortable. It, you know, there are going to be some people who maybe don't know how to act and stuff like that. There, there are going to be people who won't engage, but. When you're trying to meet new people, you just have to keep going. You just have to keep pushing. You have to keep finding those areas of contact where we're the same, you know, you know, uh, uh, stuff for us to talk about, stuff for us to do. You keep asking people questions about themselves. You keep, keep, just keep trying. You keep going out there. Keep asking the Lord to hook you up. Ask the Lord to bring people into your life. You know Jesus wants this for you. You know it's the thing that's holding you back. You're in a real good position. It's not that you're too weird. It's just that when you do this kind of thing, it is hard to do. There are awkward times, but eventually you kind of cross over a line where you really start to make some friends. And we're going to be praying for you on this. Amen. But but you're in a really good position of knowing the stuff that's holding me back, it's just a liar lying to me. So I just need to ask the Lord to help me, ask the Lord to hook me up with some connections from his hand, and I just need to go boldly through this thing. It's really great stuff. Uh, Glenn, part of the idea of people being, I'll be too weird and people won't like me is it's not really maybe the right way to look at it, but you can kind of use your, not weirdness, but your stuff as kind of a litmus test, right? Yeah, absolutely. I Weird is good. Um, we have way too much homogeneity, and uh, that's probably a, a, a word that people might get wrong. Sure. We have... The, the the there's too much we're too homogenous we're too similar to each other let's keep the language simple um don't get us confused with other christian shows yeah this is um uh uh we have this tendency of everybody trying to be like everybody else and we're all sick and tired of that don't do that don't don't uh, try and be like us we need you to be like you and yeah. we need you to be the weirdo that you are because there are weirdos like you in the world that you need to reach that we can't reach that only you can. Yeah. So we need you to keep your weirdness going because that's your mission field. So we don't, you know, we don't, if you'd be like us, then you can't, you can't reach those people. And when you say we can't reach them, that's not because we're normal. We're just right. different types of weirdos. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, so all of that's fine. But uh, at the, by the same token, there's, weird and then there's sort of antisocial. Yeah. And we all know people who have weird interests 
which makes them unique and interesting, especially if they're a little bit, you know, uh, out there with it. You know, if they say, well, hey, look, you know, I, I, I like bowling. That's just what I do. You say, well, that's, uh, you know, it's not my thing, but if you're into it, sure. rock on. I support you being into that. Not only am I into bowling, but I carved this pin myself. Right. Well, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, tell me about that. If the same guy comes in and says, I'm into bowling, you probably think that's stupid. That's a different thing. Now, I do now. Yeah, now you're sort of being antisocial uh, by sort of <laughs> implying that I am a judgmental schmuck and that uh, I'm not <laughs> supportive to other people. Yeah. So... The, the bowling thing is not a turnoff. It's the funky attitude that's, yeah. a, that's a turnoff. So I think that's where we want to, to, to focus on is as long as we're not being antisocial, uh, you know, being a weirdo is, is a good thing. Absolutely right. Jed, maybe you can speak to this. Is, there's a term in Christianity and stuff, and we've used it on this podcast for it. People tend to misunderstand the idea of fake it till you make it. But this is actually a really good example of when that's going to help. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, this phrase, a lot of people get confused. Some people think it's a bad thing. Some people aren't sure. Understood correctly, the idea of faking it till you make it is a great thing. And it's actually a key part of life. You, you go to the job interview, you don't feel confident because uh, it's a nerve-wracking thing, but you act confident, and it does two things. A, they perceive you as confident, and B, you become confident off of acting confident. Well, it's a similar thing here. I mean, part of what Glenn is describing is that people like confidence. It doesn't even have to be real confidence. But, you know, they say, hey, man, what's your story? What are you into? And if you confidently say, dude, I dig bowling. I am a bowler. I like to bowl. Here's the thing. Anybody that has a problem with that, uh, that's actually not a good hang. If you confidently share, this is what I'm into, this is what I'm about, and they go, well, that's stupid. That's that's actually a good time to say, okay, well, I'm going to be elsewhere. You seem right. to have very strong feelings about bowling as well, just in the opposite <laughs> side. I don't think we're going to work. But most people, and particularly healthy people, if you present in a confident way, and again, you don't need to feel confident to do this, but if you present in a confident way, this is the kind of thing I'm into. Dude, there's nothing I love like hitting the lanes and just you know uh, letting that ball fly and, and doing it. I love to bowl. What you'll find is most people, most people say, that's awesome, man. One of these days you'll have to take me with you down to the bowling alley and show me how to do it because I don't know anything about it. And now... You have a friend, you have a social engagement, you have a whole exactly. thing. But that's about saying, well, look, I don't feel confident right now, but there's nothing to stop me from acting confident. Right. There's nothing to stop me from giving people a firm handshake, looking them in the eye when they ask me who I am, saying, oh, I'm Jed, and you know, this is where I'm from, and I'm looking for a new church, and I love to bowl. There's nothing stopping you from doing that, and that if you present yourself that way, you will grow to be that confident person. You, you, your emotions will actually catch up, and they'll catch up around the time you're starting to feel welcome in that new place, and it'll all kind of coexist. But if you wait to feel confident and then act, you'll never act. Um, yeah. you, you have to act first. The action comes first, the feelings come later. That's absolutely right. Glenn, can you speak to a little bit too, we've, you and Lee both touched on that idea of, you know, people won't like, nobody likes everybody, nobody's liked by everybody, so just push yeah. on. Can you talk about the, a little bit of the actual reality of kind of managing those feelings and keep to push through? Absolutely, yeah. I think part of what uh, happens in a lot of churches, youth groups, campus ministries, is they, you know, they develop a bit of a personality, the yeah. group does. Um, I think uh, we've mentioned on the show before, but I think Jed and I had a similar experience of uh, 
uh, leading worship for a college campus ministry, uh, each of us separately when we're coming up. And uh, in my case, this was the most uptight group of people. Nice, sweet, lovely in, in, in many ways, but just uptight in a way that was just hard for me to relate to. It was easy to love them, easy to just uh, give them a jaunty salute and say, hey, have a good day and whatever. But there was no way we were going to hang out and have social time together and be buddies. I mean, it just, uh, and that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. It just, you know. So I think part of this is finding people that you can click with and and wishing them well and and say, you guys keep doing what you're doing. Uh, But this is just not, the scene for me. Yeah. That's okay. It's nothing wrong with them. And, 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 and it, it, this isn't a condemnation. This isn't a case where you're supposed to try and get along with everybody, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's simply, you have to know uh, your tribe. And particularly if they give you vibes of, we don't get you and we kind of don't like your flavor, then, uh, then that's going to be a toxic environment for you. Better to move on. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely right, Jed. Well, to build on that, the fastest way to find that is to serve alongside other people. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's the fastest way to find that. Um, people build relationships the most deeply, the most strongly, and the most quickly when they're doing something, a shared purpose that they're, that they're doing together. And what you'll find is a lot of the people that would be weird for no reason don't come around for that stuff. Um, you know, they, they, they might like the potluck dinner and they might like the, you know, the church ice cream social, but actually swinging a hammer to build houses for Habitat for Humanity, they're not going to show up for that. You know, going down to the jailhouse and, you know, helping out there, they're not going to show up for that. If you have a shared thing that you're doing together, if you're serving together, that's going to both fast forward building those relationships, but it's going to fast forward finding that tribe. It's going to fast forward finding those people that you do connect with and that you are on the same wavelength with. That's totally true. The other thing that fast forwards that, as we talked about, is going out there and as Glenn so eloquently put it, letting your freak, freak flag fly a little bit. Yeah. You know, it doesn't help to, you know, be into whatever nerdy thing you're into and just try, try your best not to talk about Harry Potter yeah. until you're three years in. And now you feel safe to like it. Just, you know, if you open with that, it go, it actually goes a lot smoother. And now yeah. as we're pointing out, your, uh, your, uh, conversion rate may not be as high, but you know, the people you're going to, you're going to click with you're actually going to click with instead of doing that constant math of trying to be someone these people like but kind of be me but maybe yeah. not and the flood in and out and lee i want you to well, close go ahead yeah i was just going to say just knowing and i i loved where jeb was going with this off the heels of what glenn was saying too is just knowing that i mean just having a good expectation of the fact that there may still be bad experiences ahead yeah yeah, yeah. but that doesn't mean close the doors on the world yeah. You just I mean the, a lot of this is just swinging the bat again. It's just there's a lot of reps trying to figure out, you know, okay, well that that didn't really work. So now this next time I'm going to try this, but not giving up on trying with people. You know, just keep just to keep on going expecting that sometimes it's going to be weird, sometimes it's going to be hard. Some people I'm not going to connect with. That's okay. I I love what Glenn said about, you know, there's nothing wrong with them, there's nothing wrong with me. We just don't really we're not on the same wavelength. That's a really cool perspective to have because I think a lot of times people have this thing of like, well, there's this person here at church and everybody thinks they're truly wonderful, but we just do not connect at all. 
So that must mean that there's just something wrong with me. It doesn't mean that at all. Yeah. It just means that might not be the person you're super close to. That's totally cool. Yeah. There's going to be somebody else. You don't have to be best friends with everybody. And I think that's a huge misconception in the church, especially. But just keep swinging at this stuff. A couple of things. One, Lee's use of the baseball analogy reminds me that baseball is another activity that would be improved by being put on ice. Absolutely right. Baseball on ice. Yeah. Also, you point out in your question that you're kind of looking for a new church, it's important to remember that all the stuff we're talking about interpersonal relationships in a weird way applies to churches as well. Yeah. Churches, yeah. congregations, they're just groups of people. They have a character. Yeah. And you can w- go in a place and say, this is, you know, it's this is a little big for me or a little small for me or I just don't. It just I just don't vibe with this church as a church. And like Glenn was saying about the interpersonal relationships, that's, that doesn't have to be a condemnation. We get questions a lot from people saying, there's this thing I hate about my church and I don't like it. It's not really serving my needs, but they don't preach like weird doctrine. So I'm probably not allowed to leave, right? You can, you know, you can leave a church for any reason you want. And the same thing with these interpersonal relationships. It's all um, different levels of what we talk about with dating a lot, which yeah. is sometimes you just try it out. And it doesn't work. It's not anybody's fault. You're just doing it. And that's that's totally fine. All right. And the other thing I want to point out before we leave this question is the thing to keep in mind, and you can write us in and we, we'll, uh, we'll be happy to encourage you on this, is one of the things you, you got to do on this is keep in mind why you're doing it. Because yeah. there's a lot of positive to be drawn out of this. This is not a situation of going from a bad situation to a neutral situation. Like I, w- I was in these toxic relationships and now I'm just going to be at zero. This is a thing about putting a uh, changing an aspect of your life in a way that's going to make everything so much better and so much rewarding and so much easier and just your whole this is going to supercharge your whole walk and your whole life being in a good community. So when you're yeah, getting discouraged yeah. on that, it's it's an important thing to keep that in mind. It's really true. All right, we're going to move on to our next question here. It came into our Tumblr inbox. It says, I grew up in a more liberal tradition of the faith while my girlfriend has a more conservative background. We have healthy conversations about this difference and have come to understand and respect each other's point of view. But she has way more strict expectations of our roles in the relationship, uh, like it says in Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. Any suggestions on how we can level our expectations of each other? Glenn, why don't you start us off? Yeah, a, a lot of people kind of uh, have a way of, of getting either freaked out about this idea of uh, man as leader, and uh, those who don't get freaked out about it uh, have a way of, of misinterpreting that. So we want to get this part straight. First and foremost, there there there's no such thing as a leader when there is no team to lead okay <laughs> and there's no such thing there, and there's no point to having a team doing anything if there isn't a mission for that team to do sure so it starts with a mission we don't start with who's in charge here first of all we have to figure out what we're going to do that's step 1 what is this uh, marriage, this dating relationship, whatever it is, going to do? What is it going to accomplish? What's the point here? That might include, you know, real missions type activity. It might be witnessing to friends. It might be helping one another uh, with schooling type stuff. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, being an encouragement to each other's families and stuff. So it might be three or four things, sort of maybe one big mission and a few smaller submissions things like that 
that's fine. So figure out what the mission is. Then you form a team. Yeah. You don't figure out who's in charge. First, you have to work together as a team. Then from that team, someone will naturally, of course, um, uh, form uh, uh, some leadership. Okay. Now here's the, uh, let me just say this quick and we'll send it around to these other fellows. The thing is, as Jez pointed out in a recent podcast, both of these people are serving each other. Yeah. Yep. So forget ab- that. Forget about. Uh, I'm offended as a feminist that a man would be in charge of me. That's not this. What this is. This is everybody serves everybody else. Everyone right. humbles themselves. Everyone looks at their partner's needs and say that is on me to help my partner with this other person. So th- that's that's the that's the thing. When I let me tell you what it's like to be a leader. Uh, so, for example, we had a, a ladies' ministry. They want to do a ministry. We have ladies, uh, my wife, Judd's wife, some of the other ladies. They said, we want to do ladies' ministry. I They came to me and said, okay, you teach us how to do ministry. I sat down with them and, and gave them some of the basics that I give to the, the fellows, explained to them how to do it. They picked the date. They picked the format. They picked the topic. They picked the, the, the way they wanted to present that. They invited the ladies. They they did the whole thing. The men hauled food. They set up chairs, set up sound equipment, and then we got out of there. Uh, and the men the, did child care. And, and did very, 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 very poor child care. At some point on one of these meetings, they ran out of toilet paper. I am the guy who got in the car to go to the store to get the toilet paper. I walk in. There's a, a lady there that's never seen me before. And I say, hi, my name's Glenn. I'm the toilet paper guy. That's that's the way she knows me. That's Whatever. After this meeting, I sit down with the ladies, I debrief, I go over w- what we learned, what we want to do different, so on and so forth. But he, all that to say, very quickly, the point is that I'm serving them in each of these things, whether it's taking time to, to give them some uh, instruction, whether it's taking time to go and get toilet paper, or whether it's taking time to listen to them afterwards and help them uh, sharpen up what it is they're doing. I'm serving them all the way through that. And there's very, uh, I, I may be helping them figure out how to do what God's calling them to do, uh, but I'm not uh, uh, ordering them around. That That's a different thing. Right. I think that's absolutely right. Uh, Jed, can you, speak, can you speak a little bit to kind of this idea of what's going on in Ephesians and how that applies or doesn't to dating <laughs> relationships? Sure. Well, um, as you uh, strongly imply there, uh, that, passage, that passage in Ephesians is about people who are married. Um, right. If you you say that this is your girlfriend, so therefore you're not married, so therefore actually none Nothing of Nothing in that passage applies to you. Yeah, this is actually not talking about you guys. Someday it may be talking about you guys, but but it isn't today. And here's why I bring that up. It's not you know just to you know be overly detail-oriented. When people are really, really, like, there's a passage of Scripture that's really super important to them that doesn't actually apply to them, we want to hunt, why is this so important to you? Yeah. You know, so if you um, if you have somebody where um, they grow up in a family where their, their physical needs aren't being met, but they're really hung up on the passage, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, it's possible 
that verse was used to tell them they were wrong to want things when they were growing yep. up. So the problem here is your greed, okay? In this case, is there a chance that your girlfriend is looking to this passage in Ephesians as a way to cover up her uncomfortability with asserting her own desires, interests, and opinions? Mm, yeah. Mm. Is there a chance that that's what we're dealing with? See, one of the things, one of the most important things you can develop, and you should be developing it in a dating relationship, is the vulnerability to tell the other person what you want. Yes, yes, This is the way that I feel. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. This is the way I want things to run in our relationship. Understand, I want to be crystal clear here. You cannot have a functional relationship, dating or marriage, where you are not regularly telling one another what you want in plain, unvarnished language. Say that right there. If you have it in your mind that either they should magically know what you want, (laughs) that's not going to work. Or to the other extreme, if you have it in your mind that your job is to not want anything and just go with what the other person wants, that is not going to work. That's how we never get to dinner. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want for dinner? What do you you want want for dinner? (laughs) Then nobody gets dinner. Right. Um, bottom line, I think it's easy when we have hang-ups that we don't want to look at to find a passage in Scripture to, to baptize those insecurities, to baptize those hang-ups. Um, I think there's every chance that's what we're looking at here. This verse does not apply to you guys. You're not married. Um, you are not the head of your girlfriend. No. Let's, let's be right. crystal clear on that. <laughs> um, uh, she is not being called to submit to you as her husband because you are not that. I think there's every chance we're using this to cover up other things. And if that's the case, that's okay. That's fixable. But your girlfriend does need to take courageous steps towards communicating to you in an open and plain way her thoughts, desires, opinions, and wishes. I think that's absolutely right. One of the things uh, to piggyback on that is Christians are very comfortable with the idea that there are physical things that should be reserved for marriage because marriage is the only kind of, you know, relationship that God created to actually be able to sustain those in the way they are. And that's true. But one of the things Ephesians, the passage in Ephesians 5 says is there are practical and emotional things that should also be reserved for that. And somehow this whole Christian dating culture thing, they, they lost that altogether. Yeah. There's the idea of, well, we should be able to just rush to acting like we're married in every way but having sex, and that's super holy. Jump in real quick. Um, something Glenn said to me before I was married, and it's completely true, is, dude, I don't care how long you've been dating. I don't care how intensely you've been dating. It is not the same thing. Yeah, it's all, this yeah. is a new thing. Even secular couples, you've been living together first, and then you get married. It's a different Yeah, they'll tell you as soon as, as soon as we got back from that yeah. honeymoon, it was the same house, it was the same people, but things were different. It's, it is not the same, dude. I don't, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter what book you read that tells you it's basically like being married. It is not. I guarantee it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I want to go back to something you were saying about using something to baptize your insecurities. I wonder if what's part of what's going on in this isn't using this particular passage of Scripture to <laughs> throw some baptism on your preferences. Okay. Because one thing you hear for a lot of kind of young gals say today is this idea of, I am tired of getting a text at 10.30 p.m. that says, hang out, question mark. Yeah. And I would like a dude who says... I have tickets to a thing at sure. eight, and they they will dance on stage, and there will be music. Right. Would you like to go to the thing? That's cool. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that preference. That is that has nothing to do with spiritual leadership. Yeah, that is right. not Christian. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with wanting that. Yeah, 
but maybe don't bring Jesus into you wanting that. Yeah. So if your girlfriend says, hey, dude, I've had a long day. I would just like, instead of playing 20 questions, for you to say, how about we go to Olive Garden and then a movie? And yeah. then I can say yes. Problem is nobody's saying that stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, nobody's saying the things that they want to do. I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of college age couples that I've talked to either the guy or the girl or both together and said, y'all need to work harder at this. Y'all suck at dating. You <laughs> suck at it. You just sit around. You go to his apartment. He's maybe doing some homework. You hang out. You maybe watch a show. Just put some thought into it, my man. Yeah. That's why she's bored because you don't care about it. Uh, if, if I could, I want to hit uh, the. I want to hit at this question from the other side for a second, which is yes, Jed's exactly right. These verses do not apply to you guys yet because you're not married. However. If you are dating seriously and you have already started talking about getting engaged and getting married and stuff like that, it's entirely possible, and I say that because I have seen this in person quite often, that this is the beginning of a conversation that ends, if it's being said very, you know, much more clearly with this girl saying to you, put down the Xbox controller and Hello. get a job. Hello. Okay. Okay. Um, I have seen that now, now let me be clear there's nothing wrong with owning an Xbox and enjoying your enjoying the Xbox there is balance. we all know PlayStation's massively better uh, you know but don't we get uh, enough trouble from the internet for things we say on this podcast brewer here's what I'm saying is you know there's nothing wrong with that but if it is your life it if if it is your life and you do not you know you can't you ain't got no job and all that kind of stuff but you're talking about marrying this girl and see here's the thing is we don't know exactly what the substance of this disagreement yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. but if we were to sit down with both of you and if she was to say yeah but he's you know he's the top ranked player in the world of what you call it you know and it's like and you're spending you know 18 hours, you know, what, 20 hours a week on this thing or 40 hours a week on this thing and you're not doing anything. Well, then we have something to talk about because you, if that is what's going on, you are not ready to get married to a human being. Yeah. Lee, I think it's an excellent point. I'm wondering if you can unpack something for me. Um, yeah. I'm trying to bring together what you're saying and what Joe's saying. I think you're both right. The idea that nothing in Ephesians 5 applies to you as we are right. currently in this relationship. However, part of dating is to suss out whether or not someone is the kind of person you want to be in the relationship where Ephesians 5 Absolutely. applies. So, Lee, you got maybe a little more direct experience counseling kind of teenage dating couples. What's the healthy way to go about sussing that out? Because we know just jumping to it is not healthy. Right. You know, no 17-year-old no should be spiritually leading any other 17-year-old anywhere. Sure. Yes. That goes yeah. for 20-whatever. You know, that's not what that is, but... Lee, in your experience, what's a good way to decide, I'm not in this relationship now, but this is either is or isn't the kind of person who I would want to do that with? Well, um, that's an awesome question. I do want to take a couple seconds and say, I have, I have talked to a lot of college-age gals who, there's something in this, even though these verses don't apply to her, there's something in this that she's looking for because every dude she's ever known, if she's with him in an, any kind of relationship, she is dragging like she, her walk with Jesus is dragging hers, his walk with Jesus by the feet. 
You know, he's just barely, you know, he just kind of shows up at the church and, and they get along well and they date well and stuff like that. But he's just, she's just dragging him along. Look, if, if you are that gal, what, what they oftentimes say is, you know, you'll, they'll have other women in their life say, I don't think you should be in this relationship. He's not leading you well. And they get all tied up in this Ephesians five stuff, which as we're saying, that doesn't apply to you right now. But the, the best way and, and the way I would answer your question is you just have to say the thing. Yeah. Which is, dude, you your walk with Jesus is not where mine is. And it's not where I want my husbands to be. Right. Yeah. I don't have a husband right now, but I want a husband who loves Jesus, whose walk with Jesus is a sprint, and I'm just sprinting along with him and we are growing together. That's what I'm looking for. That's what you don't have. So if you want to get some of that, then come talk to me. Otherwise, but the problem is is that in and how y'all how many times in 150 however many episodes have we answered a question by saying say the thing yeah yep. you know how do you well how do i say this to this person say it say exactly what you just said to me you say this is my expectations of what i want in a guy that i'm dating or a guy that i'm going to get engaged with or whatever this is the expectations that i have of what this relationship is going to look like and if you are not on the page with that man we are we cannot do this but how many times do people just get caught up in this stuff cuz they just won't say exactly what's on their brain amen yeah I think it's an excellent point. Let me bounce this back to you for the final word on this. What, what would be something in your mind that a young lady should be looking for? Not you, nobody spiritually in any way, but that idea of this is a dude who ha- will have the toolbox to do that. Yeah, I think for me, it's about uh, if, if just keying off of what Lee was just talking about. It's about setting a pace. Mm, you know, yeah, he's using yeah. sort of a running analogy. But it's this idea of if if you're a female in a relationship and you're the one gigging him to get ready so he can go to church and oh, I don't feel like going and you know, and you're constantly sort of the one driving yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna feel like, you know, hey, you know, wait a second. Now again, as Lee's saying you might word that, and I need someone to provide more spiritual leadership, but I don't think that's actually what it is that you're desiring. I think you're sure. desiring someone who will encourage you and motivate you in mm-hmm. your walk. And, of course, he has to be doing that a bit in his walk. Anything anything that involves any kind of leadership, especially servant leadership, is about you put you – are, you are a self-motivated person – and you get you know you provide your own encouragement to yourself your toughest on yourself and then as you challenge and encourage those that you're leading and encouraging along they can follow your example mm-hmm. and they can see what it is that you're doing so uh, yeah there are some elements of leadership type stuff in this that you're that you're looking at but i think it, it, at this stage you you want him to hear from you I want you to set a faster pace for your walk. I want you to be encouraging me in this. I'm not getting that. I'm, uh, you know, you're 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 here. You're physically present, but you're not uh, putting any gas in the tank. Here. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point. I'm going to try to put a button on this and say, I think if I could summarize a little bit of what we're saying is, you're not looking for someone who is spiritually leading you. If you're a young lady in a relationship, and if you're a dude in a dating relationship. You're not, you should not be looking to spiritually lead anyone, but what you want to do is have the kind of walk with the Lord. If you're a gal, look for a guy who has the kind of walk with the Lord for when that happens, 
there will be something to be spiritually led towards and away. Yes. Yeah. The idea is if a guy, if someone has, we'll, uh, un, we'll degender this. If someone has the kind of walk with the close pursuing walk with the Lord, all that other stuff is a function of work and communication. Yeah. And getting yeah. some good advice. Anyone can do that. What you can't do is say, well, this guy is a leader, which sometimes means he's super bossy or just tells me, <laughs> again, I, I, this may say something about me. I go back to dinner. Okay. He just says, this is where we're going. That's not actually leadership. That's just kind of telling that's, you how it is. That's shot calling, and that's a whole different deal. Absolutely. That's a totally different thing. And you can't, what doesn't work is taking that guy and saying, but if we can put the Jesus piece in there at some point along the way, we're going to have so much spiritual leadership. That's, that's not what you're looking for. That's not the way to go. Yeah. And if you're a dude, our advice out there would be just focus on your walk with the Lord. Focus on learning how to have relationships in the sense of communicating and serving and everything else on that will figure itself out. And I'll go back to our last question. There's some people who usually say, like, I'm not down with the real gender role thing and she's super in on it. And uh, maybe that just means we're not a good match. I'm not saying that's what's going on your thing, but I I would venture to say that all four of us know couples who were both great people, both you could have seen how it worked, but they just, just didn't just, connect. Yeah. There was just this sure. difference in the idea of the way they looked at relationships. And they both split from that, found people who looked at it the same way they did. And it was off the races, all good stuff. All right. We're going to jump to our last question. here. This came into our email address. It says, I need to have a conversation with my dad about me growing up and him not being able to control me. Like he wants to, mm-hmm. my dad frequently tries to tell me what to do still. How do I know if this is controlling or imparting wisdom in a way that may feel controlling. What do I do or say? Jed, can you start us off? I can't. Man, thanks a lot for writing in. And I appreciate, I appreciate you asking. This is tough stuff to navigate. It turns out that the way to play this really depends very significantly on your age and your living status and your money status. So, yeah. for example, if you're 16 years old and you live at home and your parents pay all of your bills, then... Actually, you you kind of need to do as you're told. That's you know just the way that life works. That um, uh, hopefully isn't terrible most of the time, but you know there's a lot of just you know uh, you live under their roof, so you're going to abide by their rules. I mean that's that's pretty normal. If on the opposite extreme you are 30 and live in your own place and uh, pay your own bills and you know have no form of monetary support from your parents, then that's that's a completely different situation. And that would be a good moment to do some of the things that I think Glenn and Lee are going to tell you about in a second. But it really comes down to where are you at? Here's the thing that a lot of people are not clear on. There is no such thing in life as support with no strings attached. That, that does not exist. Right. If people are providing material resources to you, they're expecting something in return. Guaranteed. Um, uh, now, like when you go and rent an apartment, it's good we spell out what those terms are. We're very, very clear. I, as the tenant, I will pay you $600 a month for this studio apartment. You, as the person um, renting me this apartment, will make sure it remains in good working condition, and we're going to do this arrangement for the next 12 months. And we have a, a formal document called a lease that specifies exactly what is and isn't okay and who's responsible for what. And it's, everything's very formal. When you get with family, the funny thing is there's that same give and take. It's just that we're not being upfront about what those terms and conditions are. 
And that's what gets us into trouble. It's weird to say it. It, um, it may sound cynical. You'll have to forgive me for it. If people are providing material support in your life, they're expecting something in return. Now, that, sure. that may be as simple as they'd like to hear from you via phone once a week. And that's fine. They may have an expectation of, uh, I'm going to tell you what to major in. I'm going to tell you, you know, the kind of grades right. that you need to get. I'm going to tell you about whether or not it's okay for you to be dating. It may be somewhere in between those two things. But they expect to have some say if they're providing some degree of, of material resources. The issue for you is what extent of material resources are they providing? How much say do they really want? And how much say are you willing to give? But we need to take a long... Last thing before I, I hit to these other two bears, we also need to examine what is your bargaining position? In other right. words, the person, whenever you're bargaining, the person who's willing to walk away is the person who wins that negotiation every time. Right. Um, if you can say to your dad, if you're in a position where you can say, look, you uh, do X, Y, and Z for me and I'm super grateful, but I don't need you to do any of that. Um, if right. that stops tomorrow, I'm okay. Then that's one discussion. If it's, hey, you pay all of my rent and keep the lights on, and if you stop doing that, I'd be homeless, but I have opinions I'd like to tell you about. Don't do that. That's a very different situation. You need So you need to be clear on all of these um, variables, who you are, who they are, what the situation is. And based on that, you can figure out a strategy to move forward. That's a really good point. Um, the the thing that leaps to mind is a, a economics term called cost-benefit analysis, which is the idea of what am I getting of this versus what am I putting out of it and what's worth it. And I think that sounds very businessy. And, you know, Jed was talking about kind of leases and contracts. And it all sounds not very family-ish or not very Christian because we're talking about this in very dry terms. But that's actually the way you want to approach things like that. It seems right. counterintuitive. The way it gets all tripped up is with that, as Jed's pointing out, there's no thing in your lease that says, be nice if you visited the leasing office a little more often. <laughs> yeah. like, there's no emotion. That's why that works. But Glenn, right. you talk a little bit about that idea of approaching a conversation unemotionally? Yeah, I think uh, – the. Part of the problem here is roles. Yeah. Okay? The idea, the healthy thing, the, the healthy way of developing uh, young people from adolescence to adulthood is that uh, parents are meant to transfer slowly yeah. over time yeah. more and more uh, responsibilities to that young person starting in adolescence and transitioning to adulthood so that by the time they're a fully grown adult, uh, as Joe was saying, out of school, paying their own rent and so forth. At that point, they're making 100% of the decisions in, in their life. Now, uh, bless their hearts, some parents miss that moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they don't begin that process until the child's in their mid-20s, let's say. Exactly. Um, uh, I think it would be easy to vilify parents on that point because they're full-on wrong, but... If you talk to parents in that situation, they would say, do you know how clueless this child is? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah do yeah. you know how prone this child is to screwing up? And I will tell this child information that is vital to the child's survival. The child blinks twice, looks at me and says, okay, I guess, uh-huh. And I have no idea, did you take in this information, take it seriously, are you going to act on it? You know what? I better do it for you. Sure. And that's sure. the loop that we get stuck in. So sometimes by approaching this 
conversation as an adult, you can stand firm and say, mother, father, I get you. Yeah, I word. understand what you're saying. I'm going to do what you're talking about. I got it. Yeah. I know you're scared about that. I will make mistakes, but I got this. Yeah. I can handle this. And, and it, it, there's one other little piece with that, which is parents need to know that you actually do value their input. Yeah. Par- yes. Parents have a way exactly. of saying the same thing 50 times, hoping it sinks in once. Yeah. And by the 40th time they're telling you something, you're going, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. I got it. I got it. Got it. You told me 50 times. I got it. I got it. <laughs> and the parent says, I don't think you got it. Yeah. Let me say it again. And last time we had a conversation with like this, you didn't do it. Exactly right. So you have to stop and say, parent, I love you. It looks like I'm not paying attention. It looks like I'm not really focused on what you're saying. I have that kind of face. I am sorry. I have not, <laughs> I'm not paying attention all the time, and you can tell, and I'm sorry. But I hear you on this, and here's the important thing. I will be making the decision for myself on some of these things, and that's going to continue to increase and increase and increase. That is going to change radically, and you have to start getting used to that. But what won't change is that I'm always going to be interested in your input. Mm -hmm. I always am going to care about what it is that you're going to say. I may not go out and do it exactly the way you say. That's a different thing. But I am interested in it. I want to hear it, and I do value it. That's great. Lee, jump in there. Well, one thing that I can tell you uh, from the perspective of a parent is – that your dad is afraid. Yeah. 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 Um, and there's something very, there's something scary that he's afraid of. He's afraid that, um, he, he's afraid you're going to be gone one day. Yeah. And, uh, and he's not going to have you back. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's an emotional thing, but it's a very real thing that I can tell you as a dad. Um, l- let me give you just a little peek into the way that I navigated these waters with my dad. And, and then kind of give you a little piece of advice on this. I, when I was 19, I became financially independent from my parents. Um, and I worked hard. I was going to school full-time. I had two full-time jobs, or I had two part-time jobs that were pretty close to full-time. And, uh, and I was working my butt off, and I got myself financially independent, got myself ready to be married to the woman that I wanted to marry. And, um, and, and uh, you know... and there were some things going on and, and I was on a phone conversation with my dad and he was shooting me left and right with this piece of advice and this piece of advice. You need to do it like this, do it like that. And I said, I need to stop you there. Hold on, hold on, dad. Listen, I want you to know something. I have gotten myself to a place where I'm financially independent. I am going to make mistakes, but I need to say something to you about our relationship at this point. I am not going to come to you for... I. I I'm not going to come to you for advice on everything that happens in my life. And you're not calling shots for me anymore. Yeah. But here's, here's what I want. I respect you and you have done right. a great job. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I want to be your friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, my dad, I, if you could have seen him, I swear to you on the other side of that phone call, he would have been doing backflips of joy. Sure. Because what happened was he found out I have raised a man yep. who is ready to live his life, and he still wants to be my friend. Yeah. Right. Now, you might not want to be friends with your dad right now, but if you approach it in the sense of, here's what I'm going to do. I'm In my dad's mind, I'm going to trade the relationship of him 
being the guy that's got to hold my hand all the time to being a guy that we're on a level. We're going through this life together. I would appreciate your advice every now and then, Dad, about this thing. Hey, man, I think you did a great job with your retirement thing. Can you give me some advice on that? And But uh, when he starts telling me about, you know, you do this or this this other thing with your kids and just say, let me, hold, let me stop you there. If I need you, I'm going to ask you. Otherwise, right. yeah. I'd like for us to watch the game together. Is that right. cool? Right. And let me tell you something. My dad has loved that position. Yeah. He does not tell me what to do. He does not give me unsolicited advice. He gives me advice when I ask for it, and he loves being my friend. And yeah. I and I, I engage that relationship. I, I ask him about himself and I ask him about things he's interested in. I'm I'm doing I'm I'm earning the right to be heard in his life. Um yeah. y- your dad is afraid. And what would happen if you trade one relationship for another? You're you get a job tomorrow, start working yourself to a place of financial independence, and then show your dad, demonstrate you have raised a man. Yeah. And I am a man who's ready. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall on my face. And when I need your advice, I'm going to ask for it. But I would love to be in your life. I would love to be friends with you. That's a great point, Jed. Yeah, just to build on that real quick, we've talked a lot about what to say, but Lee Touchdown is so critical. Just as important as what you say is what you do. This relates actually to the last question, too. People are paying attention to your actions way, way more than your words. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have kids, but I, and it's kind of an odd parallel. I've been involved in managing people in a variety of work situations, and you know, people tend to want you know, you know, more freedom and more responsibility and whatnot. You know, the thing I'm looking at as a manager is – are you doing what you're supposed to be doing now? Are you when you say you will deliver a project by a certain date? Do you do that? Um, when you say you will handle the Jenkins account, do you actually handle it? Right. If you do and you want increasing freedom and responsibility, great. Let's look at that. If you don't, don't ask for more responsibility and more freedom. If if you're not handling the things that are before you today, let's not pretend like you're ready for more than that. The thing yeah. that, that Lee said, what allowed that conversation to go so well was the fact that Lee had already put in the work to be financially independent, to be on his own, to be doing his own thing. If your dad comes to you and says, well, probably about time you'd be thinking about getting a summer job, huh? If you turn to him and say, I've actually already put in applications at five different places, I've gotten callbacks from two, I have second interviews in the next week. That's a different situation than you looking up momentarily from your Xbox and going, okay. Those are not the same thing. People want to see that you're pointed in a direction, know where you're going, and know what you're doing. There are psycho parents out there that don't care about that. They just want to control because that's just what they're on. Most parents, they want to see you living out adult decisions. Same thing as with the last uh, question. Uh, Girlfriends and boyfriends, they want to see you living out an adult life. That's, That's in many ways what they're looking for. The words are important, but the actions are just as if not more important. You've got to be living a life that demonstrates responsibility in order for those words to mean something. That's a really great point. I'll close this out by going back to kind of where Glenn started with the emotionality of it. One of the things um, that helps a lot of times you say, as both Lee and Jed pointed out, which is absolutely right, if you have to kind of have, be working, you don't have to be all the way there, but you got to be working towards a, a life that an adult would have. Yeah. You also yeah. have to be able to talk to someone like an adult. Yeah. So yeah. it okay. makes sense you're annoyed. We don't know. It's possible your dad has done some uncool stuff towards you or you know, parents out there have not really treated you super well pursuant to this issue. But if you stamp your feet and raise your voice, that invalidates everything. You can say every word we told you to the T. That's going to invalidate all of it. So yeah. that's working through your emotions Absolutely. on that. That's if you got to email us, that's cool. We'll talk. To, here's what's it. Here's what's kind of normal. Here's what's out of bounds. You have to go in with an idea of here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm doing to be towards that. 
and here's how I'm going to have that conversation. Because yeah. you got to talk like an adult. And one of the things I will say, we, we put it this caveat, caveat on a lot of stuff. Yes, ideally, you would go out tomorrow and get a job that paid a pretty decent wage and had 35 hours a week and be moving towards that. That may not be entirely feasible at this point because the economy is in, I believe the technical term is the crapper. Yes. So the idea is um, be working towards it, be doing yeah. something. And what that's right. going to do is it's going to put you in a position when you do have this conversation, it's also going to ease your own sanity yeah. to an extraordinary extent to say, I am, even if I, I'm a year and a half out, from being able to put move in with four guys and putting the payment on the thing and being out of this, that's a lot better than at some indeterminate point in the future, something will happen. Yeah. Just for your own sanity. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. You can check out our other podcast, The Bridge, a digital worship service. I can't say the word service, it turns out. Digital worship service comes out every Monday. The Bridge Loud, a heavy metal worship service, comes out every Friday. You can also sign up for Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash bridgebox, missionusa.com slash bbly. We're going to take you out of the song. This is another one of Jed's worship songs called Greater Is He. A lot of the stuff we've talked about mm. in this episode is about summoning up the courage to go out and do something that's a little scary. We believe in you, and God believes in you, too. God is going before you, and he is greater then your challenges, that's what that song, this song is about. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, a cinnabon of wisdom for your inner skater. Oh, nice. <laughs> when I make a bad choice Well, I don't have to make ten more If Jesus won't give up on Whispers